Hello and welcome to Three Books with Dui. I am your host, Dui Lemi Awolalu, and my guest this week is Dami Olagunju. Dami is a full stack developer who has worked at Google, and he is also an author of several books, the most recent, which is Mr. Titi and the Three Robbers. Dami is my very close friend who is more or less like a brother. Interestingly, he is the co producer of this podcast. How far, Dami? How you doing? Yeah, I'm good, bro. What's up? <laughs> Very well, man. Very well. Yeah. How is work and um, everything going? Yeah, work is fine. Work is fine. Um, again, like, if you just went out today in Lagos, you would you not even think anything like Corona exists. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, I'm actually... Bro, traffic, parking, everything is back. Like, food. everything is back. You'd be like, seriously, Corona has been pandemic. Corona has been pandemic. Corona has been pandemic. It's scary, man. It's very scary, to yeah. be honest. I yeah. went out. I went out. The They're rising even way more than when they were, we're much more careful and conscious about it. Yes, yeah, WHO said that about. Like they, they recorded a death toll that was like the highest ever, even since it came out, like the worst yeah. death death toll ever, yeah. just like three or four days ago. So it's yeah, getting I think, crazy. I, think, I mean, I, I think people are getting used to it and not, yeah. Used. I think we've reached lockdown fatigue where exactly people are just tired, <laughs> like <laughs> lockdown fatigue, yeah, as well. like regardless, yeah. whoever go there, go there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 uh well yeah anyways yeah that's yeah cool. that's that's cool all right so what are your three books dami so yeah so my three books are um the game of thrones series okay. um so that's the said the whole seven books or six books so far it's song, it's releasing song one. yeah song of fire and Ice, sorry that, yeah. that's how it's more popular enough yeah. um my second book is artificial intelligence a modern approach, and my okay. third is the fall of the Third Reich, which was the regime that which Nazi Germany was operating in. Okay, damn um, okay. this your book, sir. <laughs> <laughs> for for yeah. for those that don't know, Dami is the is the brain behind this podcast, and the person he was the one that actually came up with the name. So <laughs> this guy, give me so much. <laughs> 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 that mood yeah. genius. All right, so let's let's start. Which one do you want to start with? Um, we can start with AI. I think that's fine. Okay, yeah. Ah, oh boy. Let's let's go. Let's oh, go. Oh, anyone, anyone, you feel? Anyone no, AI, you feel is okay. AI is fine. Yeah, it's fine. Okay, it's all right. Perfect. It's perfect. So tell us, tell us about the book. Yeah. So um, so obviously this is this is this was more of a book that we had to take during our course because I was taking a course in artificial intelligence in uni. Yeah, and this was the book recommended to us. And usually, I don't like computer science books bore bore the hell out of me. Like, I'm very oh. uninterested. Wait, how like, you, you are you are like one of the best computer scientists <laughs> I know. So, how? <laughs> yeah, it's it's just it's just about numbers. It's about algorithms. It's about calculations. Like, there's nothing to really think about. Do you get? You just you yeah. see it and you do it. But yeah. in this book, you really you really delved into the philosophy of AI, and I think. That part was so interesting to me. And, you know, like everything that has to be done, we have to start from the definition, right? Yeah. So basically, yes. 
the 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 book um portrayed what exactly is artificial intelligence like what do we understand by it because if yeah. we can define it then maybe we can actually do it right yeah. um right now i'll just die i'll just i'll just digress for a while right now there's no true ai in the sense what we have is machine learning it takes in a lot of data and it gives a prediction of what the next um step would okay be. so so what, what what you mean sorry what, what you mean yeah, is sure. like what you mean by there is no true ai like do you mean like yeah. no like in the sense of agi or like strong yeah. ai so so, so we're okay let me just go into definition so basically there are four ways to define ai number one is thinking humanly okay number two is thinking rationally number three is acting humanly and number four is acting rationally. Acting rationally. Yeah, okay. yeah thinking humanly, um, um, there's a test called the Turing test. Okay. Um, it was yeah. proposed by Alan Turing in 1950. And um, it basically said that if a program or a computer, or if humans cannot distinguish a computer from yeah. whether it's a human or a computer, then it, yeah. can, it acts like a human, right? Yeah. Obviously, this is limited only to textual and voice um, um, inferences. So obviously you can't actually, you can't see a computer and say, oh, this is a human. We don't, we don't have that kind of biological sophistication to, to create yeah. robots as human. Yes, so, but, um, but yeah, that's the first definition. Um, and that's the major quick, definition. Quick, 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 quick question yeah, on sure. the first, in the first one about the Turing test. You say like if it is um, a human being cannot distinguish if that's an actual computer, like that is... Yeah, sure. task or not? Okay, yeah. An example, Siri, because sometimes Siri can talk, and we <laughs> yeah. know that Siri is something that passed that passes a Turing test. So absolutely not. Um, the Turing test was is more um is more robust than that. Obviously, it has a lot of okay. we've gone we've gone quite far since 1950. That's when the Turing test was proposed. But we've gone our technology has advanced much further than than it was it has expected to be. But yeah. um, so but basically the Turing test is I'm talking to you now, I know say you human being, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's say you are replaced with a robot or a computer. Can I have yeah. a two hour, three hour conversation with that same? Oh, okay, okay, okay. Robot. So it's, it's not it's not about the texture of the. Of yeah, the yeah. It's no, it's not. It's not. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, there's, it's not exactly objective based. Like, but we just okay. it's just an it's just an intuition. That, okay, okay, if I can't differentiate between the person talking to me, whether it's a human yeah. or robot, then fine. Then you yeah. can say that 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 machine acts like a human. But that's the that's first definition, right. and um, that's, that's very interesting. So, um, but the second definition I think is also interesting, which is thinking humanly, and this one is a bit more. I thought it was a bit more controversial um, because okay. it really defined, it really challenged my worldview of how exactly it is we do the things we do and why we do them. So basically it was saying that if you can figure out how humans think, you know, using all the processes that we know about the, how the human brain works, um, yeah. if we can replicate, say, the billions of neurons running through our brain, if we can yeah. replicate yeah. maybe a tissue-like substance like the brain that can allow us to think, if we, yeah. can, um, if we can replicate the actions we have, the emotions we have in the brain, um yeah. then can we exactly say um the, the the ai or the machine or whatever is thinking like a human because what we've done is just basically we've copied the brain but then again the machine will be running on you know physical laws 
you know, phys- laws of physics, right? Yes, yes. Laws of electricity, laws of physics, laws of um, of speed of light and whatnot. Electromagnetism. Um, electromagnetism, yeah. So basically, it was replacing the neurons, say, with optic fibers. Yeah. Um, so that way, the thought process would be much, much faster than maybe ele- um, wires and stuff like that. But, yeah, that, 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 that. but basically, yeah, you just got me thinking that, say, okay, if you can actually do this, then do we have any sort of free will? Like, are we governed by those same laws? Yeah, that's determinism. What is the point? We just talked about, um, before before the call, we talked briefly on Samaris. So, um, Samaris is a very huge um, supporter of determinism. He doesn't believe that there's free will. And, yeah. um, and, and the guy is also a very huge advocate on the danger of AI. So, that, that, that brought, brought me to was it called i think we will we'll digress a bit just a bit okay sure, that's um, fine. um you talked about um was it called um trying to replicate the brain yeah i tried to replicate the makeup of the brain in machine so that i'll be able to so i I, yeah. I watched or i listened to a podcast by one of the lead i've forgotten his name he was a lex friedman podcast so he brought one of the leading neuros- neurologists and he okay. he said that what we can do right now is to we've we've improved in terms of the cartography of the brain like mapping out the brain all right we can like we can map out the brain well, but we've not been able to map it out like completely down to the minutest neurons. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So his problem is we can spend billions, you know, like the way they spend billions trying to do the human genome, the yeah. <laughs> trying to map out the genomic um, structure of the human beings, right? They've yeah. done that. All right. Yeah. So he's saying that if if even if we spend billions of dollars trying to map out the every every neuron in the brain. Yeah, mm-hmm. he said knowing the map, knowing how it is, doesn't exactly explain to you why it does what it does and how it exactly. does what it does. Do you exactly. And that's the main that's the main problem. And I think that's the that's the thin line between consciousness, all right, and right. materialism and the material. Some people will say that mostly they call it um um epiphenomenology, all right. So some people think that. Consciousness is as a result of um, neurons firing at each other and all of all of that. That we yeah. don't really necessarily have a soul, and whatever we do is dependent on the neurons. On yeah. mat- is basically materialism. And then my problem now is that it is a very two is a big faction. Is a two um two is a two sided debate. Some people think that okay, we can mapping out the brain. Will be able to understand how the brain works, right? yeah, or why exactly. it does, and able to replicate it. But my my sense is, we might be able to map it out, map because yeah, but we, we don't know why we do. We don't know why exactly. We don't know how the because we can know the how, but we don't know the why exactly. There are billions of circuitries. I mean, billions of circuits that have been created per per time. Do you understand? To, yeah, for for certain things to happen, so we don't know why they are. They are, they are, they are connecting the way they are connecting, and how they are doing that. Do you, do yeah, you exactly. Yeah, so, that's exactly the the, the so I, That's I why I spent a lot of time. That's determinism, um, deterministic. Yeah, exactly. Because me, I believe in free will. Yeah. Right. So yeah, that that's by the way that just reminded yeah. me about something. Uh, that I, yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. You you got it absolutely right, and it's just how ca- can we determine that if there's an algorithm to how we think. 
can we replicate that in a machine? And what yeah. are the consequences of replicating that? That means, do we really have control over the things we do? Because if it's, yeah. if it's that easy, replaceable. But, but that was a very interesting... Um, interesting that was very interesting yeah yeah very interesting. and um i can go into the third thought once but if you want to go to another topic um no 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 fine okay. Just yeah. so the third one was i'm enjoying this the third one was thinking rationally and now this yeah. one was you know this one was even probably just about controversial as the previous one um yeah. but you know let's define rational thinking rational thinking basically is um what is the right thing look for if you are given a premise can you if yeah. you are given a correct premise, for example, can you draw a correct conclusion? So basically, if mm. um, if Shere is a man and all men are mortal, therefore yeah. Shere is mortal. That makes sense, right? That, that, that's, so that's, that's like in, dedu- induction. Yeah, induction. Exactly. That, that's, yeah. 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 Exactly. So so that makes sense, right? That's logical. So given mm-hmm. a common premise, then can we determine the you know the correct conclusion? Um, yeah. But again, there's a lot of there's a very big difference between solving something in principle and solving something in practice. And given and you can't really um you can't really define the premise of the real world into a bunch of steps or a bunch of yeah, um, yeah. a bunch of knowledge base, like a knowledge base and feed into a program and say, okay, draw whatever conclusion, whether she is a good person, given all these attributes yeah. and whatnot. So that was interesting, but I, I figured again, it's humans that are defining what rational thinking is. It's humans exactly. that are defining what the right thing to. And as we know throughout history, that has changed multiple, multiple times. So we don't actually yeah. know if it's humans that is in charge of determining what rationality is and what is rational or not rational. Then I think it's already flawed. So it really defeats itself. Yeah. Um, and I think that was just my my argument against that that third one and the last one is acting rationally um so so let's assume let's just define a, an agent as something that acts a rational agent will be something that achieves the best outcome or in the case of of uncertainty the best expected outcome so i'll just give yeah. an example just to you know this is just all um you know definitions and theory but an example would be to say you know if a car is Let's say a car, let's say a robot is behind a car, and in the case of automated automated vehicles, that is the case. Yeah. Um, and some someone jumps, two people jump in front of the car. Mm-hmm. The car can only diverge to one way. You know, if it diverts to the left, say it kills someone. It's, 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 it has to kill right, someone. Yes. Yeah. It, yeah. I'm sorry. Sorry, this example is so grimy, by the way, but yeah. it's the only, <laughs> it's the only, it's the only example where I can capture people's imagination. If you diverge yeah. to the right, someone else dies. Now, if it's, like, if it's someone to the left, that maybe is, you know, let's say uh, a, an 18-year-old kid just starting his life mm-hmm. out, what, and someone to the right, let's just say an elderly person, maybe yeah. 70 years old, you know. Or let's just a cancer Yes, exactly. Someone that is afflicted. Um, mm-hmm. The rational decision now from the computer See, or from the from the from the rational agents, um, or what, share what do you think? Let me ask you that first. What do you actually think? <laughs> what do you think the rational thing is? <laughs> Let me bust yeah, you. <laughs> okay, okay. Anyways, okay, you're, you're already no I, man. You're already no man. Yeah, you know yeah man. I know your answer. I know your answer, and exactly. I have the same answer too. But basically, just saying. <laughs> but basically, just saying that 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 is the kind of situation 
it would would yeah. give that kind of power would give to to the rational agent. But then again, when you think about it, that can also turn against us because even in some AI movies, this is portrayed where the exactly. AI actually rises up against the human because we are the strength. Exactly. I see that humans, humans are virus. So, yeah, virus. exactly. Yeah. So the rational, except the rational agent is is even if the rational agent is 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 created to protect humans, it's to end up killing humans because humans are the worst enemy against us. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. it defeats itself as well. So again, and again with the same, just like with the last one, it is humans defining what is acting rational or not. And um, except we can create an AI that can automatically determine what's rational according to some objective, completely objective goal, then I think mm. also that, that's flawed. So that, that's a completely sentient machine. Yeah, exactly. Um, don't, don't think for itself. Um, so even if, even like yeah exactly so, so that's um so that's um so those were the four definitions and the philosophy well, bro, yeah, it's, it's, is very much it's scary man. It's, yeah, it's scary. scary. i agree it's with really you but like, even, um there was also this debate that we're having in class at the time where um we're asked to think of how for example can can i predict where you'll be in 10 years. Can, can we predict where we'll be in 10 years? Or can an algorithm do that? Yeah. And we're just asked to figure out ways at which this will work. So I was thinking, you know, okay, um, we'd have to, first of all, get a lot of data on the person. For example, if yeah. I know Cher goes to the gym um, Monday to Thursday at yeah. 6, 7, and he has done that for the last two weeks, it's not really yeah. hard to predict that he's going to do that on Monday, on mm -hmm. on Tuesday, like from maybe six to seven as well. Like, that's not really very hard. But it's yeah. true to determine, again, just the number of data points you would need, your aggressiveness, your likability, your yeah. aggressivity, your relationship with others. And don't forget, you also have to, okay, and that's just assuming that the world is constant, right? Like, the world is not changing. Exactly. Like, everything. It's just because like, you have to, have to factor in the data points of every single person on earth that that would, that would yeah. just be insane. Yeah. But in computer science, we always say nothing is impossible. But I think this is very it's gonna be very <laughs> insanely challenging. And, and I think I think that that can only be possible when you have this presupposition that whatever it is in the world and whatever it is that is governing us is are just the laws of physics and just materialism. All right. Yeah exactly like, I, yeah. I, I, I the, the conversation I had with um with the the last person i had conversed with timmy the last podcast um episode mm -hmm. um where he talked about like the material world is even the least real of the the whole world do you understand like, yeah you're absolutely right yeah. we 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 see we because this is what we can perceive with our senses our sensory organs we feel like this is what is real but really i feel like there's something that is more to this world, more to this earth, that really affects the way we behave. It's not just the material world. Like we yeah. can we can predict to an extent, right? The presupposition that all that it is, all that is is the is material world. So I think exactly. that they are like spiritually now because both of us we have the same idea in terms of spirituality, yeah. right? So yeah, are, spiritually there are so many things that can affect. The material world all right so yeah. it would be very diff very difficult and almost impossible to to predict where someone will be in 10 in 10 years even five years yeah it's i agree very, with you very, like, yeah it's very like um
many of the applications coming out have to do with predictions. You know, stock predictions, market yeah. predictions. Yeah, predictions. this is like a weak, weak uh, AI. Those, yeah, yeah, exactly. The, the, yeah, that's what we call weak AI. You're absolutely right. Th- mm-hmm. Those are what we have a lot of data behind it, mm-hmm. and we just extrapolate. Yeah, I think you know T plus N into the future, and um, yeah. it's um, it works. It works well. You know, it's fair. Obviously, predictions are not uh, they are not um give given. So, so that's um. Mm. I think AI still has a long way to go. Like there was exactly that, that was that was what about, about I was. That's a long to way to go. That was what I was about to ask you. Yeah. That um um what are, like how many years do you think we can get to the level of AGI to the level of those four four criteria you just mentioned? Um, what like how many years do you think, and do you even think it is achievable? Because I, 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 yeah. I hear people like Elon Musk and Bill Gates talking about their, their, um, their concerns about AGI, that if yeah. it is not slowed down, if um, um, certain laws are not put in place, um, it's, it can be the undoing of, of the human race. So what do yeah, you so, think exactly? So, many so, years? so again, I'm an optimist, you know, just by nature. Okay. Um, yeah. I think... I think the biggest threat AI right now has in the world is economic disruption. And okay. that is a far bigger threat than what you see on, you know, the Terminator movies and um, other, yeah. mo- other Hollywood movies that portray AI as robots coming to kill human beings. I think the death <laughs> would be in terms of the economic disruption. I mean, just the amount of automation that is going to be taking place over yeah. the next 15 to 20 years, it's going to be insane. And you'd be, you'd be like cyber, cyberpunk. Yeah, exactly. Cyberpunk. And, and, yeah, and it's gonna wipe out million. I'm talking of millions and millions of jobs, and it's not gonna be. It's gonna be something that we'd have to adjust. That could take us quite yeah. a while, definitely more than yeah. ten years to adjust. Or maybe to the, not even adjust at all. Yeah, yeah exactly. Or maybe not adjust at all. Um. So and even that. I mean, we're talking about. We're creating AI programs to write other AI programs, and that's the level we are now. And um, it's very scary. I think that's the scariest part of AI to me for, for now. Um, just the amount of economic disruption, the amount of jobs that's going to be lost, and it's certain that job, millions of jobs, like this is not up for debate anymore. Automation will lose millions of jobs. I mean, factories now will be controlled by at most 10 people. Um, just doing basic work, really, just making sure that everything is in place. And my, office, my office is a perfect example. People are really losing jobs because of AI. They've already yeah. started incorporating um, lots of AI yeah. programs. Yeah, absolutely. My... absolutely. And they're already telling us beforehand that in a couple of years' time, they're already telling us to go and learn Python programming or learn, do you understand, like in a yeah. couple of years' time, um, more than half of um, the workforce at work will be gone. Yeah, because... Again, automation does, it, it makes perfect sense for the for the capitalist system, right? It makes so yeah. perfect sense. You don't have to deal with humans. They never complain. They always follow the exact thing you give them. And they are efficient. Always, and they are super much, much more efficient at what they do than the typical human being. Humans could never be as efficient as a machine defined for its, um, designed for its purpose. It's just a fact. Um, if a machine is designed to create cars, a human being will never be as efficient because humans are, yes, we can learn to do something very well over a period of time, but we are built to live. 
we are not built to work on you know a particular thing for multi- many many years like the AI systems yeah. are. Yeah. Um, and um, and I think that's where that's where the real challenge is. You know, where we have to the economic. Yeah, the economic, the economic challenge. Economic, yeah, we have to accept this because whether we like it or not, we cannot fight change. We can't fight. So um, you 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 have this idea that it is um again yeah it's, sorry it's un- yeah it's unavoidable. Part. It's unavoidable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We, we, the, if you try to fight it, it's gonna just keep on building. We are just we are just postponing the inevitable. In my opinion, yeah. like I've, I've heard American politicians talk about, you know, trying to stop companies from innovating. Like this is yeah. ridiculous. If I America, that... if America is not innovating, China is innovating. China is not China innovating. Is innovating. Yes. Yes. If India is not innovating, Russia, somebody is innovating. Someone yeah. will get behind, whether they like it or not, because humans cannot help but make things better. They cannot help. Exactly. That was about, that was what I was about to say. Just that an it's, it's just it's just an inner desire. Whether or not we're driving ourselves or digging our own graves, we just can't help it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's just my, my thoughts on yeah. But again, I said I was an optimist and there's no optimism and you know whether or not it's optimistic. I think we are the same thing was said about the um the 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 internet age. The same thing was said yeah. about the telephone, the same thing was said about the vehicles in the time of um of, of when it was coming up, um, jobs were lost for sure. People were in economic disarray, economic um the economic change, but he adapted eventually. That's because I think if one thing is like you, humans can always do is to adapt and to persevere and to persist. Mm, but again, it's enough. gonna be it's gonna be the toughest, it's gonna be the toughest time. I think the next 10, 15 years. It's going to be very challenging for many, many companies. If you had those that are very sure. labor-intensive. Um, yeah, blue-collar jobs. And yeah, blue-collar jobs. Economies are very labor-intensive. I mean, houses now are getting replaced by IOTs, internal things. And yeah. you're not going to need anyone to really fix anything anymore. It's just going to be... Oh, um, no, houses are, built, some houses are being built. So I can just buy spare parts and replace it. Exactly, 3D printer. Oh my god, you just brought another another um thing. Yeah. yeah, 3D printers. There's no there's not going to be a need to buy something from to, to fix anymore. You're just going to watch a YouTube video, get the part on on, on 3D printer and fix yourself. I swear. <laughs> but yeah, that's um anyways. Let, let's 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 move on now to I think Hitler, the third right. Sure. <laughs> the third right, yeah. Again. Um <laughs> so yeah, um, so the book was first of all, and I, I never, um, I read this book. Uh, I think it was about four years ago now. Um, and before that, I barely knew anything about the Second World War. Um, I always, I already knew, I always knew that it was a disastrous time that involved, you know, almost all the nations in the world. Basically, all the nations in the world, in different various ways. Nigeria was even involved. Um, all the colonies of Europe at the time were involved. But what struck me about the book was it really portrayed the characters. And I think that's something we miss in this kind of um, historical accounts is the yeah. characters that were involved. And I think Hitler um, sucks so much attention to himself that we fail to realize the that barbarity. The like, yeah, the barbarity he had, the, the barbarians he had beside him and around him. I mean, these people were sick. And it struck me what more horrific that... Hitler was not the was not the sickest individual in his yeah. gang of sycophants. 
and I was really surprised because the Third Reich was um was okay. Yeah, let me just just for the listeners, I'll just give um, maybe a brief summary. So yeah, the Third Reich was invented by um a so the the, the Nazi the Nazi philosophy was invented by it was a was a teacher in a university. I can't remember the university or the teacher's name. I'm sorry, but. Not, Hitler did not invent um, the Nazi Party. He merely yeah. adopted it, merely channeled it, and he merely just used this. Honestly, I think he could have channeled any ideology into what he eventually wanted, but exactly. that's just my opinion because he was just that kind of guy. Yeah. And um, and even the way he took over, you know, let's not forget Hitler came in demo- um, democratically. You know, mm-hmm. he it wasn't military coup. It wasn't this violence revolution. It was peaceful. There were almost nobody died when he came in. Um, he came in on the back of, on the verdicts, or also on the support of the German people at the time. Yeah. And I was really shocked by his charisma. I mean, this guy had, this guy had a sense to him that when you, when you heard him speak, you're almost in a trance. Yeah. Like, you, yeah. you're almost, you, you were paralyzed by admiration for this guy. You were that paralyzed was by things. Was I, th- I think that was a big, better gift than his yeah. artistic is yeah artistic exactly claims. he had almost no military yeah. wisdom whatsoever i mean this guy I'm sure he got lucky many many times and i think the part of the reason why he got lucky is because the western powers at the time did not take him serious they thought yeah. it was a nut job it was a madman they thought it was a lunatic and it was all those things but they never thought he could actually do half of the things he said he did it was a smart and man it was actually it was really very smart, smart. Yeah, it was very yeah. smart and the thing that shocked me is that Hitler wrote all this in a book. Yes. <laughs> I think, and the I book think, was out there. I think that is why. <laughs> I think, you, know, you know how we talk about Genghis Khan, talk about all yeah. these great leaders. We, 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 we talk about Genghis Khan with so much admiration right now, right? Yeah. And he killed, he literally killed about 10% of the world's population at that time. Yeah. yeah. Above, he killed so many people that it lowered the fact the carbon footprint on earth, <laughs> right? Yeah. It was so mad. Yeah. But now you see people romanticizing Genghis Khan. They make movies mm-hmm. of him, and like, do you get? Yeah, they make it because, of him. Yeah, we don't know so much. So he much, did yeah, a, 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 a terrible job for himself. I'm sure if he hadn't written any of these books, <laughs> right? If he hadn't yeah. documented and filmed any of these things, right? For give or take hundred or two hundred years, you'll be immortalized. People would be saying great things about him but now because think... we have we have everything we have everything we yeah, have the yeah. books we have the films yeah. we see they have this, I we, thank can God see, we, have we can see inside the sick mind we can yeah. see inside thank God we have the same yeah to be honest that was his undoing he undid himself yeah. <laughs> and I think yeah um I mean yeah so the rise of the, the rise itself was um and forgive me if I use the word it was pretty inspirational inspiration in the sense that you see a guy that was not hitler was not even german that's the funny yeah. thing hitler was yeah. austrian yeah he came from austria after the first world war he came wretched he came poor he was begging in the streets of munich for a while he had nothing no hope whatsoever but what hitler had was speech hitler literally brought into power probably the greatest military empire the world has ever seen um on the back of words and it really struck me the power of words hitler just used words yeah. Hitler used words yeah. to ent- first of all 
and trust and trust a whole nation into doing his bidding. Then he used words to deceive the Western powers that yeah. he's not doing the things he was doing. Yeah. <laughs> so his words were pretty powerful. And the way he spoke, again, mm. he had this dark charisma to him mm. that really just left you confused as to what this guy was. You hated him, but when you met him, you loved him. And that's exactly the problem the Western powers have. I mean, the UK had this stupid, and I say stupid intentionally. I mean, their foreign minister at the time um, was a guy named R Ribbentrop. So I don't know if this guy was was um, under Hitler's charm or maybe was he the, was the pact they made, like Britain made with with Germany. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, you got it. The pact they made with Germany that was that yeah. was the most disastrous thing. I think if Churchill had been louder at the time, there would be no World War Two. But Churchill mm. was the only voice, literally in the Western world, that was screaming that this guy is a nut job. This guy is crazy. And Hitler knew this. Hitler was terrified of Winston Churchill. And you could see it from his entries. You could see it from the way he interacted with the generals. And the yeah. way he heard Churchill's name. Churchill was the only thing in his way. Yeah. Um, basically. Um, but again, the rise was was uh, was was pretty remarkable. And, but once and... he got once once he got his nation, once once he had complete control of the of, of the German military, yeah. of the German economy, of the German yeah. power. The advancements and the expansion of the Nazi Empire was so fast and so swift. I mean, the World Second World War lasted four years. Yeah. Hitler conquered half of Europe in three and a half years. Yes, yeah. That is that is a remarkable feat, you know, for all it's worth. And I'm not praising it. I'm not. I'm not romanticizing what he's done. Mm. Obviously, but I'm just well, saying, you have to give the devil his due. It's <laughs> even Western powers were fascinated by by his power. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But 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 um one, one cannot talk about Hitler without talking about the factors that um yeah yeah that absolutely, made yeah. it happen right there were so many yeah. things that happened so, in Germany yeah yeah so the first thing obviously was the end of the First World War yeah so in my thinking the war was just paused in my opinion because after the First World War Germany signed this treaty in Versailles Versailles yeah. That devastated the economy. I mean, they were paying up payments after payments that they could progress no further. Economically, they were they were doomed um, because the Western powers and um, the people, um, the Western powers, yeah, basically sent them the bill for the war and they had to keep on paying these payments. They were, so print, the economy they were, were printing money so yeah, much. That were, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so at the time, bread was sold, and they were bringing wheelbarrows of cash for it. For, yeah, for, for bread. bread. <laughs> and that was pretty... <laughs> just to see how crazy it was back then. So Germany was in an economic disaster. I mean, it was a chaos. People were begging, people were starving, people were thinning out. And there was a lot of anger among the young men of the country at the time. And of course, when there's economic, when there's economic dire in the country... When there is unemployment in the you know tens, in the high tens, um, anybody, anybody that comes along really, that comes with this you know, messianic yes. vision of changing their lives, and that's what they saw Hitler as a messiah. He was coming yeah. to save them. He was coming to 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 make Germany great again, and he did make Germany great again for a while. Um, 
it was coming to you know bring them out and put them back where where, where Germany was. Um. So that's who. That's why they and, listen and to him so much. Gem and that was Gem the message. Gem Germany yeah. was literally was literally like hell at that time. Yeah, and, it and was. Think, it actually was. It was literally like hell, and and I think partly right. I I'm not saying. Hitler, Hitler was a very terrible human being, if not one yeah, of the most. Yeah, it was. Especially, and let's not forget, like he's, even his racial theories as well. That's yes, another. That's a whole exactly. other aspect. But, but, but partly, partly, I think that the rest of Europe is also to blame to an extent. The, the mm -hmm. victors of the First World War, right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You could see, you could see greed in them when they were doing th that treaty. Do you understand? Like. Yeah. The, the 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 treaty wasn't necessarily to pay back for all the damage, but really actually to punish Germany. Yeah, it, it was to, to, it was to humiliate Germany. To, to yeah, humiliate. We're a very proud country. Right? Yeah. They they even took France. France even took a portion of their country was controlled yeah. by France. Yeah. Like it was it was complete humiliation. Yeah, and I think if I think if the Treaty of Versailles did not happen, like if the kind of what's it called the kind of agreements they had did not happen just maybe there wouldn't have been a second world war it wouldn't have been so bad for them because it would have made it would have made the german people be more sensible than they were do you understand like there were so there was so much hell that all they could beg for was anybody even if it's the devil even <laughs> if the devil will come out <laughs> from hell and say i am going to lead you people to order to restore order <laughs> to your country, regardless, they were willing, right? So Carl Jung, I, I think you, you know who Carl Jung is, a one um, psych, psychologist, one of the greatest yeah. psychologists ever. He, he yeah. said that he said Hitler was the mouthpiece of the collective yeah. unconscious of the German yeah. people. Every German person was thinking about law and order because was thinking about bringing Germany out of the hell that it was and. Hitler was someone that embodied the dark desire of the mob, the dark yeah. desires of the German people, order and revenge. They not just wanted order, they wanted revenge. And yeah, Hitler exactly. was someone, as he said in his speech, was someone that could, he knew exactly what the people wanted. He had this sense of the things to say that would rile them up, the things he would say that will make people support, I mean, support him more. So he was yeah. a very good orator. He saw these things that these people need. They need this thing, and yeah. at and, the and time, think, yeah. and at the time, he had restored law and order because he didn't. I I don't think he he started out this is ritualistic um and this is demonic um ideas until he had like kind of restored order, uh in in Germany like right yeah and next Austria as well yes that was when. He had already gained complete control. He was already a dictator. That he was both chancellor yeah. and, and and head of state at the same yeah. time. So at that point, there was no going back for the German people. I'm sure they would have realized that. So boy, this guy is an idiot, a madman. <laughs> but bro, they can't do anything anymore. They've signed a so, deal with the devil. Yeah. So I think yeah 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 you touched on many important points, but I think Hitler did what every populist um always does. Yeah. He gave mm -hmm. them an enemy, and that was so key into his coming into power. Hitler gave them a face to hate, which were the Jews at the time. Mm, so yeah, yeah. So 
so the Jews at the time were, were, were in charge of um, a lot of the financial institutions, yeah. in charge of, um, you know, a significant part of the German economy. And they were German Jews, you know, they were living there for, um, you know, many, many generations. Yeah. Um, but they were in very prominent places, you know, as mm. they usually are in many countries. Yeah. Um, but Hitler gave them a reason. He said, these are the people, these are your enemies. These are the ones that ruined our financial system. These are the ones that are stealing all the money in the in the banks. These are the ones that are controlling the economy, that are putting us in ruin. These are the ones that were behind the Treaty of the Size that caused yeah. the downturn, the down, the downturn of our fatherland. And um, and I think it just brought another angle to me that for every populist movement, there's always a common enemy that the people perceive. And you yeah. can look at this, yeah. So you have to give them that enemy. You mm. have to give them that person to hate, that, that that reason to hate. And that just fueled into the chaos that happened during the Second World War. Mm. And um, and obviously, with his racial ideologies and his racial bent to it, um, he brought in some of the most vile characters the world has ever known. I mean, talk about Heinrich Himmler, which was... Himmler. The, Himmler. <laughs> That was that guy. Honestly, that guy probably should be the right hand man. <laughs> I don't understand how that kind of guy can come to this world. So, for those, yeah, for, yeah so I'll just uh, for, for the benefit of, of the listener, I mean, he, I mean, Himmler was in charge of the Gestapo SS and he was in charge of you know the systematic elimination, what they call the systematic elimination. Of the Jews at the time, so he was the one that really laid out the, the blueprint for the concentration camps. Um, so at first, Hitler was actually not too bothered. Funny enough, was actually not too bothered. Yeah, I, I think he he he, did, he asked them to send. He had to give Nebraska or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all all he wanted was the expulsion of the Jews. I actually, yeah. didn't care too much. He, he didn't he didn't want like he, not that he didn't want. I, I won't use that word. He didn't want, but he was not pushing for the extinction of all Jews everywhere, you know. Um, but with the increasing, like, he, he had already started a fire, he could not see him. He started a fire, he could not control. And he was engulfed by the fire eventually. <laughs> and mm. um, and, with the, and with the people like Henry Kimler coming forward, um, that really hated, like, that. this guy had a deep-seated hatred for Jews. <laughs> for Jews. For Jews, yeah. <laughs> Um, I want to really tell me like this doesn't make any sense, um, because it's wanting to hate someone, it's wanting to hate a group of people, but it's not wanting to not even want them to exist at all. The Jews were saying, okay, let's go to Poland, you know, we'll go to your country, you know, we won't see us anymore there. But that was not enough for them. That was not enough for these sick, you know, people. They had to systematically eliminate them everywhere. Even when they invaded Poland, the first thing they did was to round up all the Jews everywhere mm. and ship them off to concentration so, camps. Auschwitz. And also struck me that I think I don't know whether to find this comical or not, but Heinrich Himmler was a chicken farmer before he joined the Nazi Party. And it just struck me, and that's not the first time I've seen this anywhere in history, where the most vile people are typically people with so-called quote unquote normal jobs, normal people. Yeah. Um. He was a chicken farmer, um, and he got engulfed also by the Nazi ideology. And again, 
I use the ideology is, is so powerful because yeah. it really doesn't matter who is behind it, it's to take over the person completely. I'm not trying to excuse anyone from being engulfed in ideology, but yeah. ideologies are, are, are extremely dangerous. Yeah. Especially if they have that bent to it, that you don't, you can't even think straight anymore. You're just doing things, not knowing why, not knowing what you're doing. But you're ideological just acting yeah, ideological yeah. position. You got the word right. It's a, it was a position, and I think that's what engulfed the German people at the time. Because now many people look back in history and think, what the hell was wrong with these people? Like, what happened? Because you had, it got to a point in time where neighbors that had, you know, yes, they were attacked, they were killing their Jewish neighbors. Yeah. Um, when Hitler came to power. There was a purge, essentially, of Jews. Yeah. There was a rioting against the Jews. So people were just, people that you had dinner with a week ago, you were slaughtering them in their houses for yeah. no other reason than the fact that they were Jews. Yeah. And it's a madness, really, that it scares me, honestly. I think that's probably the most horrific book I've, I've read. Oh, um, I'm done. Yeah. So, so I, I, I really appreciate that you mentioned this because I was trying to like kind of steer the conversation towards this. And this is something I would really love to touch and talk about. Um, the fact you mentioned the fact that Himmler was just a normal person, was just yeah. a, a chicken farmer, right? Yeah. What I see in this day and age is this kind of um arrogance like moral arrogance you look back in history and be like that can never that couldn't have been me that can never be me those guys were disgusting yeah. those guys were weird i love the fact that you said these were normal people and i think in this day and age we stand the danger of the danger of of, of committing the same crimes again if we don't yeah. acknowledge that these people were normal people like us all right acknowledging the fact that if care is not taken, we are not more morally superior than these guys. Yes. If yeah. the if the parameters are put in place, if the right um, conditions or in quotes right conditions are set, we can be like these people, if not worse. Mm -hmm. All right. So I think yeah. the best way to read history is to read history as if it is you. Do you understand? Yeah. Like it yeah, is yeah. That I think I think that's where you have a deeper knowledge. As to yeah. what it is, these guys did what they why why they did what they did because we can't be so sure that me or you, if we were in Nazi Germany in 1930, we would have been part of the people to that would, that would purge other Jews. Do you understand? Yeah. I think it yeah. is very important for us to see the devil because everybody has the devilish. We all have it. Do you understand? Yeah. The propensity for for evil, the propensity yeah. for violence. All right. I think the best way to be is the best way to see this thing is to understand that we are capable of violence, we are capable of evil, we are capable of malevolence. So that knowledge alone will make us humble, will make yeah. us not want to commit those acts. And now this is yeah. this is this is the problem. This is the problem I'm seeing in this day and age when we look back and be like, oh. Those people were racist, they were devil, they were vile, they were blah, they were this, blah, blah, blah. Like, do you understand? I'm I like, no, you. if you were back there, you would do the same thing. So yeah, the thing I is just you. try as much as possible not to. 
but just acknowledge that bro you are not you are not any different from these people but just try not to be like yeah. them yeah absolutely i agree with you i think um i think the word that struck me after i read the book and you just said it right now was humility because even though you were reading as we read you could see the trance that the german people were in when yeah. they the stages and i was thinking to myself it was if i was in that crowd would i be cheering or not i probably will I probably will be cheering will you, will you be for this crazy not just yes exactly i probably will be in the streets hailing um you know the the coming to power of the new chancellor of germany which was like the time and it, it just humbled me to say that okay i have a propensity to be captivated by ideology so now yeah. i can protect myself against it but there's this moral exactly. security there's this moral security with people nowadays when they read history, especially they see, okay, I can never be that person, you know, that exactly. can never be me. I can yeah. never do one tenth of those things. I can never, um, I would have never been a racist. I would have never been in in in, in support of segregation. I would have never been in support of the Biafran War. I would have never been in support of the World War Two. I would have never been like there was just. I would have never been if I was there. Things would have changed. Like th- that's yeah. the word. That's the exactly. If I was there, so if I was there, things would have changed. I was there. I was, <laughs> things <laughs> would have like no, bro. <laughs> like no, bro. Chances that you'll be, you'll be right there with them. You know, yeah. you'll be advocating the same things the way advocates, and and it's just you should protect yourself against ideology instead of assuming that you can't be engulfed by one. You should be, you should be mm. more concentrated mm. on mm. individual mm. things. Mm. Word, individual word. ideas not just in being engulfed in ideologies so ideologies scare me i must almost admit to you um because once you're engulfed by it it's almost like you there's no going out it's like a net that yeah. can't get out of dig it and you just keep on going down and down you and just down. keep going it's like entering like, into body, going until down until you have no mind of your own anymore until yeah, you can't think like socialism um exactly you don't exactly. know why you're doing things you're doing anymore you have no you have no rational explanation for it i get um, to the point where you can literally case, kill yeah. because of that ideology and this was the case of the germans at the time you know after the war they couldn't understand what just happened they almost it was like they woke up from a bad dream yeah. they were shocked i mean it was completely stunning and the world could not understand this because they were not in that in system and it was a system it was a system whereby if you were if you were a kid, you would smile at the sight of concentration camps. And that should just tell you that that kind of system, it was more than the individual. It was way more than just yeah. um or one man, you know. Yeah. It was, it was a collective unconscious. The collective it was a collective evil. That's how that's how I've tried to put it. It was collective evil. And Hitler made sure the German people indulged in that evil and he made sure they were a part of it. Um, so, 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 yeah, that was, um, I mean, I think everyone, anyone really should read a book on the Second World War, yeah. um, and focus also, especially on, on the, on the rise of the Nazi, rise and fall of the Nazi okay. Germany. Um, I think, right, so, um, so, so very, let's, yeah, move, very, let's move to the, to the third, the third last, one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so this one is uh, yeah, so Game of Thrones is a song but a song of fire and ice by George yeah. R. R. Martin. Um I think obviously it plays a lot of cultural significance um into 
into. I mean, I think everyone pretty knows Game of Thrones right now. Yeah. And it's funny because I read Game of Thrones. I started reading Game of Thrones. Or I started being involved in Game of Thrones just after I'd read the book on the Second World War. And I couldn't help but notice, you know, pretty striking similarities. It's just mm. the madness and the stupidity. And I use that word deliberately the stupidity of, of men in doing the things they do power, mm. hunger, greed. I mean, all the factors were there in Game of Thrones yeah. in ways that you just never, you see it's raw, you see it live. Yeah. Um, but again, the author itself was, was, was pretty, I mean, it took George R. R. Martin 27 years to write six it's, books. It's insane, <laughs> bro. Yeah. It's almost like they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're kind of, there's a similarity to me between T.R.R. Tolkien, the guy that wrote yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Lord yeah. of the Rings yeah. and T.R.R. Yeah. Martin. Um, yeah. spending that amount of years and even like yeah. building new languages. This guy built a new exactly. language for the Dothraki yeah. language. And this guy, uh, T.R.R. Tolkien built for um, Elvish, Elvish language. But yeah. there's one striking difference and when we talked about things that human beings can do. The thing I found out in T.R.R. Tolkien, that's Lord of the Rings, he saw he encapsulated evil as something from without something from outside affecting man an mm -hmm. external force right yeah. and um jr martin said like no like his books yeah said like the idea is like no it's not that way evil is evil dwells in every man regardless yeah. even the most noble man can be evil there's a little bit of yeah. evil lurking in him it's just it's like, yeah, it's, like latent, it's like latent energy, isn't it? Yeah, it's so like it's within and not without. It needs a spark. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I, I completely agree with you. I mean, you see from from even the first, from the first book itself, um, you see how the madness played along. You see how the controversies arose from the death of Ned Stark, from the beheading of Ned Stark to the declaration of war to the North of the country, which was um, wanted wanted to secede from the Seven Kingdoms, um, I think it just played into what I always thought about the nature of, of men, greed, power. We, like there was nothing to be learned because they had fought a war in the book, like in the story, they had fought a war um, in, I think 20 years before the present timing of the book. Okay, um, which war? Yes, was it, it, was it the, was the one? one the Targaryen, the, the, the Targaryen um, the, war, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Robert Baratheon's rebellion. Yeah, the Robert, yeah. And they learned nothing. About, like, there was, <laughs> there was absolutely nothing to be learned. It was almost like they, were, they wanted this war. Like, and you, like, even in the book, you just explained that every decade or so, they needed the war to clear up the bad blood, the quote unquote bad blood. Mm. Uh, that war never really ends. It just has peaks and lows. Mm. And that mm. Mm. has very, um, that was very apt first season. Peaks are when the actual, like what we see as actual war. Yeah. The lows are the just build up of the peaks. Yeah. The lows are like cold wars. And even in present time, we have cold wars. I, 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 call, I call them, I use um, physics terms, kinetic energy and potential energy. Kinetic <laughs> energy is when, is when the war actually happens, but the potential yeah. is built up. It's, it's building up. It's building up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
And also in the book, um, just the character, I mean, the, the brilliance of the characters, my God. All right, let, 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 me, stop yeah. you, let yeah. me stop you there. Who, who, who is your favorite character? <sighs> so I have different criteria for, for, car- for my characters. But overall, I'll say Jimmy Lannister. Really? Um, yeah, and I know it's very weird, um, but like is I said, redemption, I have because of his redemption story. I, the, the, David, 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 um, Jimmy Lannister's um, character, his, his character, his character arc and his evolution mm. and his development as a character yeah. was just remarkable. I mean, you cannot beat that kind of yeah. uh, character transformation ever. And um, I mean, this guy was a strong guy. It was, it was a was a strong guy. It was a yeah. He had gone undergone unbelievable humiliation. Yeah. Um, but he never broke once. And I think that struck mm. me. This mm. guy never was was from to even up to open to the point he died with the love of his life. And it was not. It was not. It was not. Um, what's it called? It was not. He had no disillusions about who he was. Yeah. He owned. He owned. He owned his evil. He owned his good. He owned that he was a king's lie. He owned that he killed the king who was self to protect. Yeah. He owned that he, that he had committed their slept with his sister. He owned that the children of um of Cecil Lannister were, were, were children. He owned everything about him and he never once was ashamed of it. And at first, you know, that would be that would come across as, you know, as just arrogance and whatnot. Mm. But yeah. who he was, he was never confused about who he was, and that made him even stronger as a character. Yeah. He went on to the other side to fight the White Walkers. He owned yeah. that he had abandoned, you know, the Seven Kingdoms to fight this war. Um, and he was just never, he, he, he was just that kind of guy. But I think apart from him, um, I would say as well, I think Jon Snow is a bit cliche right now. Yeah, um, it's a bit cliche. For me, Tyrion Lannister. Tyrion Lannister was... Yeah, Tyrion Lannister. Okay. Tyrion Lannister was probably the smartest guy in the book. If you actually yeah, read the book, and, 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 and when you watch the series, he's a bit, you know, he's a bit like a drunkard. Mm. Just a guy that, like, you know, play around and, and so forth. But if you read the book, you see the wisdom of Tyrion Lannister. I mean, this guy... All he could do was read, basically. It was a dwarf. It was ugly. It was grotesque. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm serious. In the book, it was much more uglier than it was portrayed. Let me just say that. <laughs> 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 that I was defined. Um, but um, from the from the time when he gave, he just dropped bars that was just fascinating. Like, um, for example, you know, he, he was saying books are to sword. No, sorry. Um, well, I'm not sure what it's called. The mind or something. Yeah, so you say, yeah, book sharpens the mind. Like, you know, this item, sword sharpener, this is sharpens sword. And yeah. um, he had a very sharp mind, Tyrion Lannister. He was very, um, he, he was very smart. He was very, he was also, you could also um, dish out evil. Could dish out revenge. He was not afraid. He was not afraid to stand up to bullies. He killed his father. Yeah. <laughs> this guy was not. He was not afraid to stand up to bullies at all. But he was loyal to his family until they spat him out. And um, mm. Lancer was a very interesting character. I must say. I mean, 
he was very interesting writers, and he was one of the main characters in in, in the series. People yeah. forget that he was actually a very he was pretty much top two or four or five featured characters. Future, um, um, Snow, everyone knows Jon Snow as probably the main character. Mm. Um, I still was right up there in my opinion. Um, for, for me, sure. for, for me, like one of the main characters that really struck me was Santa Santa Stark. She really? had a very yeah, like going through all the things she went through. Yeah, the and, torture. Um, right. Yeah, the I mean, torture, that kind of the humiliation <laughs> and all of that. And yeah. it still did not really. She changed, right? But it didn't change. Yeah, she changed. Words, exactly. She was still the good girl. She was still all about her family, right? Yeah, she was. Lo- she was. She was a Stark. She, she, she was loyal to the Stark family, to the Stark name. And yeah. I, I just, I just love that about her. The, the whole, the um, the way she built, the way the character was built to the point where she wasn't, she wasn't this naive girl anymore at the end she wasn't this naive girl anymore she was wiser she learned from marjorie she learned from uh, peter baelish she learned from yeah from Tyrion. do you understand she learned from the best of the best and she like kind of yeah picked all of these things together i'm just asking who's your most yeah oh sorry yeah go on yeah Yeah, she she kind of picked all of these people's ideas together and like she could now use it for herself, all right. Yeah, she didn't exactly. just say, Okay, I want to be this person 100%. I want to be this person 100%. And she was always, I, I love the fact that because I, I kind of like, I'm kind of like this way also, right? Like, she's just staying, she was like staying behind the scenes, just doing things low key, being naive and whatnot. But just, yeah. but she was very naive, like a sponge. Yeah, she was very naive yeah. at, the, at the beginning. But yeah. towards like the end, you could see like yes, this girl had learned a lot. She could yeah, take in pain. She could stay. She could adapt. Yeah, that's the word. She could adapt yeah. in any situation. She stayed with. She stayed with Joffrey. She stayed with Ramsey, bro. Ramsey Bolton. <laughs> Do you understand? Oh yeah, that, I, just, I wanted to ask, who's your most vile character in the entire series? Ah, the most vile character. Boy, yeah. menu. Yeah, many I hated, I hated yeah. Peter. I hated Peter Baelish in my life. Baelish, yeah. Oh my goodness, I hated that guy. I hated a snake. Um, that guy's a snake. I hated um, what was the name of this guy? Oh, I've forgotten his name. It's okay to come back. Hound. No, I I love the hound. Is it the guy I, with the burnt face? I know I love the hound. The hound is the more guy with the hound. Yeah, yeah, I love. I love. I love. Is it, I love the, the, it is his brother, the mountain. Yes, I hated the mountain. He was one that yeah, I hated him for a kid because he killed the brain Mattel. Bro, that's in pain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that 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 guy. <laughs> yeah, and there's there's one last yeah. person I hate. Yes, this guy, um, Stannis Baratheon, because of the way he killed this, he was one of. I think it was the only. Yeah, yeah. where I almost I almost cried. It was the only yeah. scene where I almost cried, where he killed his daughter. Yeah, sure. yeah. Like, so yeah, everyone wanted to talk about Stannis Baratheon. I wanted to talk about that. Stannis Baratheon was supposed to be the stand-up guy, right? Yeah. He was supposed to be this guy that is of justice, mm. is of honor, he doesn't take any nonsense from anybody. That's exactly why he was shunned from the seven kingdoms away from his brother before his brother died, which was Robert Baratheon. But Stanley Baratheon quickly devolved into what 
typically people usually devolve the lust for power, the sacrifice yeah. that we give. And it started out small, you know. First of all, um, you know, he sacrificed his honor by sleeping with the Red Princess. Yeah. That was the first sacrifice. And I think when I was reading the book, I was like, wow, once this guy has done this, then there's really no end to yeah, what he can do. So he sacrificed, he had already given away his honor. He, had, he had, didn't have that anymore. He killed his brother through dark magic, which he, from the Red Priest again, yeah. which was used. Because once he started depending on the dark magic, there was no way out of it. Mm. He couldn't trust his, his military instincts and he was a very sharp military man. Yeah. He couldn't trust anything about him anymore. He had already given to that power, so his faith was now in something else. And um, yeah, and that struck me that once you once you once you have developed that kind of attitude, once you rely on something, whether it's um, you know alcohol to do a certain thing or drugs to do a certain thing, you would need it, especially if you're successful at it. You need that thing for the rest of your day. Like imagine if um, if you're a writer, right, and you need yeah. alcohol to work, and you eventually write a book that succeeds. And you start thinking, okay, I did this job because of the influence of, of alcohol. Yeah. None of your work you do anymore. Mm. You, you, you would always want to include that in all of your work alcohol, because you see, yeah. okay, this could work. But anyways, standing Baratheon sacrificed honor, then sacrificed his, his brother's sons, started killing people for dark magic. And he just devolved into this madman that obviously lost. So that was a very interesting character too. I, I don't, I don't think he gets enough time on the actual series because yeah, the book he didn't get, really didn't get enough time. Yeah, yeah. the book so, definitely got. I want to ask you some questions um, before before we end this thing. A um, couple of questions. You've already told me who yeah. your best character is. Um, yeah. So, the movie or the book, the series itself, or the books, which would you prefer? So I think. Again, if you read a book, you might be pissed off a little bit by the series. And if mm, you watch the series, yeah. you might find the book harder to accept because you don't want to change the position yeah. of the characters. Yeah. Um, um, for example, um, yeah, so, but I think they started diverting from maybe the third season, I would say. Yeah. Um, from the third season. I mean, Jon Snow was portrayed perf- probably accurately well. I think it was the most accurately portrayed out of all the characters. Yeah. Um, so Lannister was far more disgusting and vile than I wouldn't than, expect it. Like, than shocked. the actual series. Yeah, that actual series. Yeah. <laughs> so that really shocked me. Um, Robert Baratheon was, because he, he went to the history of Robert Baratheon's rebellion briefly as well. And Robert Baratheon was more, you love him more if you read the book. Because mm. that guy was strong. He was big he was it was just a badass until he died of course same with Ned Stark so I think but I think again they tried they really tried because you can't include all the characters they yeah, ever had yeah exactly because George George R. R. Martin had um, so many characters so many characters and each yeah. character had a better role to play yeah okay I think so, I developed, yeah sorry yeah yeah go on so yeah, I think um, um another question yeah. Which or because because I ask I, I get into arguments with people concerning this a lot. Um who do you think is the best swordsman ever in Game of Thrones? Oof. The best like in in terms of Okay, or let me give you, let me give you this best. Let me give you this best this. Yeah. This versus this. All yeah. right. 
Um, Barry, sure. Stan, Barry Stan sell me. Oh, God. Versus <laughs> Jamie Lannister. Jamie oh. Lannister with two hands. Prime, prime Barry Stan sell me and prime Jamie Lannister. Jesus. Prime Barry Stan sell me. I don't think anyone could have. I think Prime Barry Stan sell me for sure. Prime Barry Stan sell me was an animal. I mean, he, he and there's another guy they called. And the series doesn't really show. There's another guy they called Sword of Morning. Yeah, um, Otto Dane. Um, Dane. So, so Dane. That was yeah. probably the best was man. I ever. was about to ask you that. That sell me or Dane? <laughs> Dane, Prime Dane definitely nice. Dane. So, so Dane, Prime Dane was that was you couldn't touch that guy. That guy slid. <laughs> that guy could take on ten men, ten knights, or even more at once. Yeah. I mean that guy was yeah. All right. Fight with one okay. sport, two swords. So, so um, Braun. Right, mm-hmm. you know Braun. Yeah, yeah, Braun no Braun, versus yeah. So Prime so. versus Prime Jamie Lannister. <clears throat> now Braun is an interesting guy. I mean, this guy yeah. was a street fighter, right? So the tactics he would use definitely would be different. But again, I don't, I don't see, him, I don't see him slaying Jamie Lannister. I think Jamie Lannister is just too smart. He's just too cunning. Okay. What I would think is he would definitely injure him, but I think Jamie Lannister was too win. So I I also got into I got into an argument with someone on Twitter. On this. What about Jon Snow? You didn't you didn't pay Jon Snow with Jon Snow was a beast as well. No, I'm I'm getting there now. I'm getting okay, there. you're getting there. Okay, all right. All right. Jamie Lannister yeah. or um or this guy or um Khal Drogo. Prime Jamie Lannister, prime Khal Drogo. Khal Drogo would tear out Jimmy Lannister's <laughs> eyes. You are <laughs> yeah. I was telling yeah, you, guy would rip out his tongue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was no chance. Like, if he's like, a one-on-one fight, is more, is more, is more calculative. <laughs> he's a knight. Forget armored. Blah 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 blah. And all that. Let, let me tell you because because the the Dothraki, those guys. The fights with I even think the fights more carefully than they are portrayed to be in, in the series because okay. they wear no armor, right? Yeah, they are very calculative in the things they do, and they have this sword, they have a different sword, it's called an Akka. Yeah, this can like cut shape, yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's curved, so you can definitely cut through whatever armor or gymnasium, and even yeah. the armor will swim down so much, yeah, because Caldra fast. That armor was slow, Jimmy Lannister. That won't be able to move much. So I think Kaljogo definitely like that was never even a contest, in my opinion. <laughs> like, All right. Kaljogo, All right. Yeah. Jon Snow or um Grey Worm. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> um, I think. Yeah, I'm assuming Prime Jon Snow, right? After he has gone through the um, that is Jon Snow in his in in his in his prime, right? Yeah, prime Jon Snow. Okay, yeah, prime, yeah. I think I think I think prime. prime I think Jon Snow would win, just because I can't imagine anybody killing Jon Snow. <laughs> well, All right. Wants to win. Wants All to right. Win, last yeah. last question, and then I don't yeah. end this. Um, right, sure. This is between armies, right? Um, oh yeah, the Dothraki army versus mm-hmm. the Unsolid. Three thousand Dothrakis, three thousand Dothrakis, three thousand on solid. Who do you think? So it depends where. If it's on the open ground, if it's on, if say 
your army rush my army yeah. open ground if on anybody infantry. if no no horse no, no horses you know oh, yeah. that's a different case no oh, no that's a bit unfair on the dothraki because they only use horse they mostly use they, they rely so much because the horses they worship their horses on, yeah if it's on open their horses field, is their life the horses will give them you know, like yeah, uh, give them, yeah. advantage I, I think the unsolos win just because they are more yeah they are better infantry than the dothraki yeah the dothraki are horseback slingers yeah yeah yeah, they're very defensive. Yeah. yeah. All right. But what? what yeah, yeah. Just yeah, last question. What do you think the strongest army was? The strongest army. Yeah, like the north. Was it the north or the Lannisters or Storms and or the Thraki or the Unsolid? I think it was the Unsolid. If they were, they were joy to watch. I just love yeah, the, the orderliness. <laughs> do you understand? Yeah, I agree with that. I can watch yeah. when I'm watching Grey Worm fights. I take it back, <laughs> take it back. I'm like, bro, like fighting with a spear with so much experience, like, bro, it usually busts my head. Do you understand? Like, yeah, fight so yeah, well man. with your spear and the fact that they are unafraid about anything. Do you understand? They yeah. are fearless yeah. people. I think they are even more fearless than, than Dothraki himself because yeah, okay, um, yeah. they have nothing to lose, really. Yeah, yeah, I get so, what you mean. For me, it's yeah, solid. It's, it's your solid, it's your solid army. Yeah, friends. But anyways, yeah. um, th- th- this this has been an interesting conversation, Dami. Thanks. Yeah, thank you very much for, for taking your yeah. time. Thanks. Yeah, no problem. Right. And so, for everyone that has listened to this, thank you and goodbye.